Private wireless networks are one of the most exciting topics in the mobile space today. They're accelerating industrial automation, bridging the digital divide, and closing the homework gap. Also, the integration of wireless infrastructure with cloud deployments at the edge is a boost to enterprise application development. But do CIOs understand their choices to implement a private network using 4G, 5G, and a plethora of deployment models? Which of these make business sense and is the underlying ecosystem ready to support them? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Today's guest will share insights on real-world deployments of private networks and clarify what role public networks will play to complement private networks. Anand Shah is the Director of Technology Strategy and Architecture at Verizon. He serves as an essential catalyst for driving technology adoption and designing network architecture for enterprise and consumer products. He leads private network portfolio including RAN, EPC and MAC and drives innovation in different industry verticals. Anand, welcome to the show. I'm pleased to have you join us. Hey Ashish, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great, Anand. I hope that our conversation today helps businesses understand how they can solve their infrastructure challenges using private networks with uh, some of the real-world deployment examples and experiences you have. So can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with private networks? Absolutely. So uh, I've been at Verizon for about 12 years, and in the past couple of years, we've gone really deep into 5G. And, you know, we've we've been talking about 5G being the next big thing, but a new story has uh, come out, which is private 5G. And um, we, we've been basically product managing and heading up all things private 5G from a technology point of view, as well as how we deliver this to the customer and how we can make sure that there's an ROI that the customer gets from this. And Ashish, I'll tell you, um, we in the past one year have been seeing tremendous interest from the market and the industry for adoption of private networks. It was private 4G last year. It's going to be private 4G this year as well. But private 5G really starts taking off uh, in 2022 and and even more so in 2023. And, and all of this, Ashish, is actually being fueled by the digital transformation that all CIOs are just going through today, especially accelerated by the work from home um, paradigm that's been put in place since last March. Um, but, uh, you know, the many use cases are out there, but private 5G is definitely one that is up there with uh, Wi-Fi when it comes to land technologies for any any industry, any vertical that's out there. That's interesting. So I want to understand a bit, right? Digital transformation is um, is such a misunderstood term by by a lot of people, right? I mean, digital transformation to many is just you know uh, having a mobile app uh, to place an order or installing kiosk like mobile ordering system within the facility, like you know Taco Bell, all these you know retail outlets have done it. Um, to others, it is industrial automation. So can you you know spell out? where and what aspects of digital transformation really needs private 5G? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, the way I see digital transformation is is twofold, right? One is from what you do from an infrastructure point of view, if you're a CIO, and what you do for your employees that are out there. Digital transformation for your infrastructure, your cloud, you know, CIOs have been investing heavily in the past couple of years and basically cloudifying all their applications, pushing them out, whether it's their private cloud, whether it's public cloud on GCP, Azure, or or AWS, um, the entire uh, automation and orchestration that you need for your applications across several different clouds, just to enable your industry and your vertical to be more efficient and more agile and delivering these products to your customers. I think that's one part of the digital transformation that CIOs know very much about. Um, the other piece is just for your employees. I mean, everyone's been working from home for so long, and now they're slowly going into the office, whether it's a, a hybrid or full form um, going into work. But, you know, you need to make sure that your employees have the same access to the applications they did when they were in your building as well. So making sure that they have the right connectivity offering from the enterprise or from their home, going to the right uh, private cloud or going to the right public cloud, making sure you have the right security uh, and privacy uh, and policies that are in place and the same principles are in place when the employee's at home or whether they're at work. These are two big items that are coming with digital transformation, right? The third item I do want to say is everything that you have on your enterprise from a LAN, a WAN, and MEC side of things are being conglomerated. And what I mean by that is that today, a lot of businesses have Wi-Fi, right? They're, they'll be evolving to Wi-Fi 6 soon. Now, this is in where, where private 4G and private 5G comes in. It's a different LAN interface, and it's an interface that, you know, does things that LTE was not able to do and things that are a bit tricky for Wi-Fi 6, and this is where on the land side of things, you have a, um, a world where you, you know, in, in two, three, four, five years from now, where you have a Wi-Fi network and a private 5G network. And they both function on different protocols and have their different use cases. But uh, she's like, I, I like saying this quite a bit, but both are like peanut butter and jelly. They're both extremely divine on their own, but when you put them together, it's like a match made in heaven, right? Each one runs off a different protocol. Each one has its own use cases that they attack. Wi-Fi has been around for a long time. The ask for many CIOs today is get educated on private 5G and start dabbling in that technology because there'll be many, many use cases and benefits that you'll find from having both technologies in your enterprise. I love the peanut butter jelly uh, <laughs> reference here, and I've heard you uh, use that before as well. Um, so, okay, so you said something which uh, picked my interest here. You said, you know, private 5G or private 4G provides a different LAN interface, which was not possible before. Can you explain that a bit more? What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's take an example, Ashish. Let's let's take example of a, um, uh, if you look at industrial IoT, industrial internet of things, and if you look at the manufacturing floor or a logistics vertical and the evolution of 
automation that's required on the shop floors, okay? If you see a lot of these big Amazon warehouses or any kind of manufacturing warehouse, they have a lot of automation that's going on with robots, with PLCs, with SCADA systems. They even have AMRs, which are these autonomous robots or autonomous vehicles that deliver things from one warehouse to another. And these types of things today require either a hard cable for power and for uh, internet services or any kind of ethernet services that you need. And now when you go and you want the mobility and you want to turn your shop around into a different form factor or use a different framework, you need to have things that are wireless. Just simply need things that are wireless. And that requires a very reliable bandwidth and not necessarily huge, but something that maybe a millimeter wave or an ultra wideband spectrum can deliver where you get gigabits of throughputs to these devices. And the other catch is that you need low guaranteed latency where your product or your robot does not need to talk to an application that's in the cloud. It can talk to the application that's sitting right next to the private 5G network or on a private mech or a multi-axis edge compute that's sitting right there. So now you're saying that you get the latency, you get the security because everything is in that facility itself. It doesn't have to go outside of the facility. Even if your WAN interface breaks, your ISP, your internet, your PIP circuit breaks that goes out of the facility, you're still up and running and you do not have a lapse of any sort within the manufacturing facility. And that's one of the use cases that in a manufacturing facility, you need these high bandwidths, you need these low latencies, you need uh, local survivability and to make sure that you as a company stay competitive to your uh, stay competitive to others in your in your business. So that, that's one use case that we see quite a bit in the, the manufacturing floor. So manufacturing, I think it's, I believe is a, is a good use case for, you know, because it has definitely to your point, you know, untethered machinery, uh, you know, and I've also heard, you know, typically in manufacturing, the operations, uh, even, you know, people feel like, okay, there are so many heavy machines. They always stay on the floor all the time, yep. the same place. They don't actually. Right. And they, they move things around, you know, depending on the order, depending on types. And one of the main challenges, OK, how do I restructure my setup uh, and without, you know, rerunning the, the whole cabling for Ethernet? Um, so that definitely, you know, it's a big mm -hmm. problem to solve just using Wi-Fi, just using the, the wireless. And Wi-Fi had not been, you know, uh, as reliable as they would need to run, you know, critical operations. So manufacturing well understood use case but you also mentioned earlier right work from home people are going back do you see a need for 5g and i mean people have been using ethernet based broadband connections in their facilities and those broadbands are coming at home and you know people are using wi-fi at home and wi-fi at offices um, they're using software-defined wide area network sdvan uh, mm -hmm. technologies to make sure you know all their traffic to the you know cloud applications are having high quality of service why would they need 5g in that scenario 
And and Ashish, you're talking about the homes here, right? Home and home and business locations, right? Oh, so okay. Hybrid, hybrid workforce, right? Whether it's a hybrid workforce or all-in workforce, do, do you see 5G playing a role in replacing a broadband connection uh, as a primary van link? No, I mean, Wi-Fi has taken the lead on that for quite a while, and they've owned a lot of the broadband just because of the use case that's out there. Uh, it's more fitting for Wi-Fi. You also have to look at the adoption of the devices, right? Majority of devices that are out there, I'm speaking to you from a MacBook. I have a Lenovo, an Alienware. I have a different different types of computers and devices, and those currently have a Wi-Fi chipset in there enabling it to get on Wi-Fi at the home, right? They don't have a 5G chipset yet. The device adoption is something we have to closely follow as well, especially in the enterprise uh, section as well. When you see these um, IoT devices that are there, whether it's a, a thermostat or an air, air valve sensor or some kind of sensor that's out there, they need to have a 4G, 5G chipset to talk to this private 5G network. And only then will they be able to get some kind of benefit from having large bandwidths and low latencies. But the other, you know, the flip point there is that 5G, you know, it might not be private, but 5G is definitely going to be there in the broadband space. I mean, when you talk about fixed wireless, we have to put up one millimeter wave cell site that could actually deliver internet to homes within the surrounding area. And we're talking gigabit per second speeds. Um, that's where it makes a difference, where we have 5G to the home and then Wi-Fi propagated within the home to make sure they have access to their regular work applications, internet, gaming, whatever it is. Okay, makes sense. You you mentioned Mac and multi-access edge compute a few times, you know, in, in describing the use case. And definitely it is claimed to bolster the adoption of, you know, enterprise applications at the edge. And for that many reasons, many cloud companies are rushing to capture that market, you know, either in collaboration with operators like Verizon or independently. Um, how important is Mac computing or public edge computing uh, for the success of private networks? Uh, a, a, extremely important, Ashish. I, I can't I can't emphasize that enough. When you look at, I'll give you an example. When you look at a phone today, it is limited with the amount of compute, both CPU and GPU, that it has on board on the chipset itself within the device. But if you have this phone connect to a high bandwidth, low latency network to something like a multi-axis edge compute, whether it's private or public, you're basically giving an extension of compute to the phone all the way out to mech. And now it has troves of CPU and GPU it could tap into. So not only does that potentially make the device itself much cheaper, but the experiences that can be added on to that device are much greater than what can be done today, right? That's, I, I think that's one part of the importance of Mech. The other importance of Mech is that you, you'll see companies like Verizon and many others, we've partnered with um, AWS on public Mech and we're partnering with a lot of cloud providers on Mech in general, right? We're not doing our own Mech deployment. The reason being is that, there are tons, there are millions of application developers out there and DevOps uh, engineers that are out there that are just used to coding and doing their 
uh, running their DevOps principles on something like AWS. So we didn't want to break break that trend that was there or break that flow that was there. So it, instead, we partner with a hyper cloud or a hyper uh, um, scale uh, cloud vendor like AWS and actually get their infrastructure either in a public scenario or right next to the private 5G as well. And 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 again, you get you reap the benefits of of Mech there. So that's a that's a very important topic in you know how the the ecosystem is is changing uh, in delivering these kind of services to the market, right? So the role of you know the emerging role of like I said, you're collaborating or partnering with public cloud companies. Uh, I have two questions there. One is what's the readiness of this ecosystem to deliver uh, the edge, uh, you know, so-called edge? I think I should Uh say three questions now. First of all, let's define edge, right? Um, But in the the meanwhile, I'll just say so-called edge. Um, Is is it ready? Define edge. And the third uh, equally important question is, you know, what does the new ecosystem look like to bring private network and more so applications to the enterprises. I know there's, you know, you're working with a number of companies like Unity and Ice Mobility. What does that new ecosystem look like? And what's the role of one versus the other in making it possible for an enterprise? So right. three questions, let's break them. <laughs> I know sure. that was too much. No, but, no, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll attack them, right? Edge, ed, the definition of edge, um, you, you, if you ask a Qualcomm, they'll say the edge is on the device. If you add and, uh, ask an AWS, they'll say the edge is closer to the AWS cloud, right? So to keep it very simple, I would say edge is any kind of compute platform that's in the middle of the device and in the middle of cloud, public cloud. Anywhere where you have some compute infrastructure there, whether it's in an MNO, at a cell site, outside at a CDN, you can call those edges, right? And and it's not a question of whether edge is ready right now. Edge is going to continue to evolve, right? They're going to be put in different places, and it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem. Are there applications that are ready that require higher latencies and more of an edge compute platform as well? Um, but the other item is just, in general, Ashish, education across the board. Um, everyone's been used to uh, uh, building their application for the device, and they put it on an IoT device, or they build an application and they have the hooks and connectors into uh, cloud. But the real question is, if you're if you're savvy enough as an application developer or as a software developer, you want to build a continuum from the device all the way to the edge, all the way to the cloud. And what I mean by that is when you're developing the application, there'll be portions of the software that should be placed on the device. There'll be portions that maybe uh, require a lot more compute, and require a lot less, uh, a lot lower latency, where you want to put them on the edge, right? And then there are portions where maybe you're just training your algorithms, and it's not time sensitive, but it requires a giant amount of data. Well, that's the stuff that you could push out to public cloud, and that kind of education uh, continues to evolve, Ashish, as 
people are used to the two ends, but now there is a new one in the middle where we're saying this continuum is not an or function. It's not device or edge or cloud. It's an and function. We have to start learning to develop on all three so each one's perfectly orchestrated for the best use case. Um, Ashish, I know you asked a couple of questions. I don't know if I answered all no, of them. I, there. No, I think you answered uh, answered them very well. And I'm going to pick on uh, you know the last one you responded. You know there is a three step and it's an and gate, right? We both come from engineering background, so I'm going to use that term gate. <laughs> um, so it is interesting, right? So if I take a classical example, classic example of using a mobile app today, right? iPhone, Android, whichever you know uh, app you pick, it's an app which has a part of that app on my device, and a part of that app is sitting somewhere in the cloud, right? Processing. Hmm. Um, now you're saying with this new construct, there is new thing in the middle that the app developers need to train themselves to is the, to improve the experience or to for whatever that business reason is, there needs to be an aspect of that app probably going to be sitting somewhere in between that cloud and the device also. Um, can you give an example of an app that uses yeah. those three uh, you know, gates where you need to implement uh, a, yeah. a business application for you know, providing the right experience? Absolutely. So when we talk, um, let's, take, let's, take, uh, let's take an example of uh, using AI okay, or computer vision, and where you're looking to optimize and distribute your AI inference workloads across the entire, this continuum that we talk about that's on the device edge and, um, and at the end, right? And, and for that, let's take, a, let's take a ring camera or a Nest camera, right? When it's doing some of its computer vision, okay, let's say you have a theft that's going on and it's able to recognize whether it's a person who's from your family or an unknown that looks like possibly a thief that's coming to your doorstep, right? You're going to want some kind of data that's going from that camera out to edge and, and, uh, and cloud. You may not have enough compute on board to detect more than five people that might be coming. And what I mean by that is detect the faces, do the analysis, cross-verify with the algorithm to make sure that, hey, this is a family versus not family. And you want that done instantly. So you may want that done on the device. All right. Now, you may have 20 people that come and you want to identify the faces for all of them. And you don't have enough compute on that little tiny camera there or that tiny chipset. And where this data needs to flow seamlessly with very low latency and very high bandwidth to, let's say, a multi-axis edge compute. And where a lot of the, um, and where a lot of the, the processing power is done on the mech, and you preserve a lot of battery on the camera there, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and you get to find out a little more about who's in front of you. And the third item is the cloud, where you have your algorithms that are being built. You have your models that are being built. And, and the shift is that do less on the edge device, drive more value from either mech or cloud by just efficiently using the resources that are um, with, within your domain domain, and increasing your flexibility in general. So you're able to 
literally use all three, I would say, verticals or, or all three islands of compute to your advantage. And, and you know, you may be able to put all this at mech, but it might be too expensive. You might be able to put all this in cloud, but it's too slow. And you see that with Nest and Ring today. I don't get a notification till seconds after it's it happens or sometimes even more than that. I want something quicker. I want something faster. I want something smarter. And the way to get that is distribute. Distribute and, and be flexible about it. So that's a great explanation. So in this model, what does the delivery ecosystem look like from a business perspective? And I'm thinking, you know, as a as an enterprise buyer, let's say I'm, you know, a, a, biz, a BU within an enterprise who is trying to implement an application. Am I now required to understand all these three islands and bring them on my premise and work separately with application developers who understand these three islands? Uh, to optimally use them, or I just care about an application company who has built an application like this, and it's his responsibility or their responsibility to just give me the outcome I need. What is what is that business model or delivery model looks like for a business buyer? Yeah, good question, and it it's really going to depend on how you get it done, right? And and that's where the education portion is very important. When you say, hey, I need XYZ done in, in some low amount of time, well, they might be able to get it done, but you know what happens? They're going to get it done on the device itself, and the, the cost of your device goes up two, threefold, right, uh, Ashish? Versus, hey, I, I'm not too worried about having detection done within a second. It could be done within a minute then I'll go the cheap option and put it all the way out in the cloud. But that's what I'm saying. Application developers need to start dabbling now. They're, they've already been used to developing on the device and using the device hardware and the associated APIs. They've also been used to putting their, their code on AWS. Now you have an extension on the Mac. There needs to be a brainstorming session, a whiteboarding session, whatever it is to figure out that how is this third element of compute going to play a role in my product and how can I use it to stay competitive competitive in my own landscape. And that's the, the education and that's what people need to start dabbling into. There is a new infrastructure as a service that's presented that is within an MNO network and it's, uh, it's something that could definitely take a... Uh, a huge role in giving companies advantages on their products and services. So do you think this, I mean, it's still early days for app developers to understand this or there are, there are many out there who now get it? No, there's actually a, an increasing amount that um, have been asking questions that have been learning a lot about it, that have started dabbling and putting some portions of their code on the mech as well. So the, the adoption is there for sure. And, and the questions are there and people are inquiring. Um, I think that will continue and maybe needs to get, uh, will, will continue out till 2025. Um, but the the huge thing here is start start dabbling, start putting your code on there, start testing the possibility, the art of possibilities with Mech there. So in 
the communication space or any API space, mm. right? Mm. Uh, Silicon Valley, you pick it, right? In any type of innovation, you know, there were hackathons. People bring yeah. in the developers, the communities, you know, here's the platform, you know, uh, all these platforms got a mass adoption and education to your point through these hackathons, right? Where people play with with these tools and come up with what can be done with them. Is the operator community and the public cloud companies, you know, building such type of hackathons to bring these innovators and start playing with them yet? Or is that, you know, a far-fetched goal at this point? No, not at all. I think I don't have the details, but I know Verizon, we've done several different mech hackathons and, and it's not just us, even, um, you know, the, the standard, the standards, um, teams and, you know, you look at Etsy mech and those kind of standards, uh, groups that are out there, they've done, they do hackathons once, twice, sometimes more uh, a year just to increase the adoption and bring, um, bring this to light essentially. So they're there and we're going to keep needing, uh, uh, those to happen. Is there is there any application that you came across that wowed you and say, huh, wow, this is really cool? You know, there's no application that really stands out here. But I'll tell you another use case or an instance that we're seeing here. Um, and, and you would never have thought this on a Wi-Fi or any other network. But farming, for example, I knew nothing about farming. But then after talking to the likes of John Deere and others that are out there, they are heavily investing in private networks. And believe it or not, not just for their facilities, but there have been ideas about putting private 5G. Ashish, I don't know if you've seen the tractors and the size of these tractors. If you've gone to uh, CES, they usually have a tractor. It's like almost the size of a house. It's that <laughs> big. And they put a private network on there, and they have, I kid you not, thousands if not uh, tens of thousands of IoT devices all across their farm that are testing the soil, that are constantly watering the soil, that are testing the nutrients that are there, the humidity that are there, tons of data that's being uploaded, right? And what they have is as these tractors drive through the farm, they actually want to look at putting a private 5G network on the tractor itself, what does that mean? I mean, I so that actually changes my view of what is a private five G network because to <laughs> me it was like okay, are you you're putting small cells, you're putting you know network EPC, cloud EPC, yes, whatever, yeah. right? All of that. But I would have thought you would have said that okay, this is they're putting private five G network on the farm, and tractor is yep. probably carrying a, a small cell or yep, something, yep, yep, right? Yep carrying around the network, but when you say they're putting <laughs> private network on tractor, what do you mean by no, that? No, Ashish, literally, you you have it right. There's just one small connection. They're literally, instead of putting this on a rack of servers in their data center in, in a farm or something, they're putting it on a rack on that tractor itself. So you're talking about the RAN, the antennas, the radios, the entire EPC, and the entire mech located on that tractor itself, okay? And what you're seeing is that there's a lot of data that's going in. And for the data that they need to act very quickly upon, it's processed via their algorithms, via their applications that are sitting on that private mech that's, again, located on the tractor, 
okay? Those are making the instant decisions of how much water to put where and when based on the humidity levels and the current droughts and a lot of data that's coming in. Then they have a subset of data that doesn't need to be processed right away. Let's just store it for now. But then when they bring the tractor closer to the farm or closer to um, a place with a, a higher, like a broadband network uh, connected to cloud, let's say Wi-Fi, it automatically shifts that data from that private network into cloud to be further indexed and filtered at that level. So it's, again, you know, uh, Ashish, this was very surprising for me to even learn about too, because I thought about when I think about farming, it's going out, digging the soil, putting seeds in and watering it. But you have no idea how technologically advanced our farmers in the U.S. are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely uh, were aware that, you know, a lot of things are happening in the in the in the agriculture. I did a podcast on Smart Ag. Oh, oh there you go you know, sometime back. And I definitely, you know, uh, I've, I've seen even the cows have, uh, yeah. you know, 5G. I mean, that was my topic, that cows have 5G to you. Um, but this is interesting that the tractor itself has an entire network. That's uh, that's a very interesting uh, <laughs> It's a moving case. network. It's yeah. a moving network. I mean, talk about mobility here, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is very interesting. Talking about, you know, mobility and moving things. Uh, I know uh, Verizon had a deployment uh, or announcement with the with the British port um, earlier this year. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what is the pain point sure. for them to solve using private network? Absolutely, and I, I'll I'll tell you the the stuff that's happening internationally is amazing, and I and they might be ahead in their thinking for private networks in a lot of enterprises than the U.S. is currently. So, one thing uh, you know, you you might ask Verizon playing a role in the U.K. How does that make sense, right? We're a U.S. based company, but believe it or not, there are a lot of international companies that are coming to us to uh, put in the private network, and this British port was one of them. And what the countries are doing right now, of course, we will put out the RAN, we'll put out the EPC, and we'll put out cloud-based monitoring for uh, all the companies and, and, and get a managed service there as well for them. Um, but what's important to know is that when you look at Germany, when you look at UK, when you look at Netherlands, China, Japan, all these companies have started releasing uh, public spectrum just like we did for CBRS and where we have uh, PAL licenses um, and we have GAA license, which are available for anyone to use as long as you register with the SAS. Um, but very similar in Germany, they've done something similar, I believe in the 3.7 gigahertz range and where 100 megahertz of that spectrum has been given out for industries to start dabbling and start playing around with private networks in their enterprises. And it's at a, a, a ridiculously low cost for industries to get this spectrum as well. And you see a lot of countries doing that. So the only way they thought was adoption is not just through MNOs, but you're seeing this by uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, industries going directly to maybe a telecom vendor or even doing a DIY private network and building their own private network using open source code. So very interesting what international uh, countries are doing as well. 
that's good to hear because a lot of people feel that uh, you know the CBR is definitely the very innovative structure, right, of the shared spectrum, and uh, especially in US, that is a catalyst for a lot of private deployments and with GA and now the path license auction, you know, almost you know completed and, and allocated to many extent, that is definitely driving and internationally a lot of people don't understand right that the mid band is 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 also available to enterprises um and they're getting allocated they have access to it uh, but at the same time right definitely to your point i was very uh, interested to ask that question it's like and when you go internationally what is your model are you just bringing the technology that you have or your and then have enterprises bring your own spectrum or you're collaborating with local operators there to to enable to access to provide the the, the network. Uh, no, we're we're actually uh, using the public spectrum that's there. We're bringing our own RAN and our own um, and our own EPC and deploying that within the enterprise and just guiding them through the entire process of doing a site survey, getting the installation, getting the activation, doing the trialing and testing with different devices and use cases. We're there. Right. And the same is happening in U.S. as well. And that that's, I, I, you know, one thing that you're mentioning I could talk about, at least on the U.S. ground, is that, you know, partnering with an MNO is pretty important here because you have the MNO that has license spectrum. Right. So give you a use case. Um, if you have a private 5G system or a private 4G system in a hospital and the doctor is there with their device and the doctor is monitoring um an ICU patient on their heart monitoring application, which which is sitting on that private network, right? And they're and they're monitoring it on their tablet. Okay. And now let's say that doctor wants to leave the hospital to go to a Starbucks and just grab a coffee, hypothetically, right? Once you go outside of that hospital, you're off that private network. And if you're not with an MNO that has licensed spectrum across the US, you're going to be dead. Uh, you're going to be, you're, sorry about that. Your device is going to be dead on arrival as soon as you leave that uh, hospital because there is no other spectrum you're getting on. So, but with an MNO, but could that, could, but can that not be achieved by doing pub, private public roaming, right? Yep. I mean, that is uh, definitely possible, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the, those those have not come up yet. Roaming is an option for that device to get on maybe a public network, but again, something that MNOs have to sign up for and see a business behind. Um, right. But, you know, right now, without roaming, you could have that device partnering with an MNO to get on the public network. You know, definitely the end to end value of, you know, keeping the session and not dropping it, the mobility aspect, exactly. you know, of that, you know, and, the, and ensuring the quality. Right. And a lot of time, you know, and that is an interesting aspect. We didn't talk about network slicing, but um, that is, you know, maybe we use that towards, you know, to close out on what are the different deployment models? Maybe, you know, let's wrap it up with that. What are the different options for businesses to consider when, you know, to deploy private networks? There are a couple things, right? Um, there are some industries that are asking for local survivability. Mining industries, for example, they're hundreds of feet underground. They're asking for their private network to work disaggregated, disjointed from a public network. So this is this is one model where you have a 
standalone private network in a facility. The other models we're also seeing is that just to change your model from a highly capital or a capex model to more of an opex and services model is that we host a lot of the elements on cloud or we host them on-prem and we use some multi-tenancy in where you are given either a dedicated uh, network function or you're given a slice off the network you would have maybe the the ran elements on site but all your core elements might be off-site or a portion of your core elements, which are more control related, would be offsite. But what you would have on-prem is more the data plane where you have the UPF functions, the MEC functions that need to be on, uh, on-prem because um, the purpose of them are for you know, high bandwidth, low latency. And when you start hairpinning a lot of these, uh, these functions, it, it wouldn't make sense. So there are many models that we're also looking into. Currently, we've, uh, we've gone out with a standalone where you get delivered hardware and software on-site, um, and it's, it's called on-site 5G. But in the future, we definitely see use cases for having control functions um, not on-prem or having the entire core displaced and put off-prem as well. Great. Now I think it's it's very exciting times. Uh, you know, we see a lot of options available to enterprises, and and hearing you know what the companies, um, in fact, the manufacturers of the enterprise equipment, which have nothing to do with uh, the IoT or integration, but they are bringing the technology into their uh, devices, likes of you know tractors you mentioned. Uh, that's very encouraging. Um, I think that's the right way to do it because I uh, said that two years ago when I did that podcast, like, okay, the the way to really drive this adoption of, of, of private networks is going to be the individual vendors who serve the enterprise community needs to uh, embed the 5G technology in their deliveries ecosystem. Um, and that is what... Uh, you know, a lot of businesses will start experiencing it without even realizing um, that, you know, they've got 5G. Of course, you know, they have to invest in the infrastructure, but the business applications will drive it. Mm -hmm. So exciting times. Uh, Great to see, you know, a lot of good work being put out by Verizon. You know, a lot of great announcements, uh, including your private 5G uh, or on-site 5G. Congratulations on that. And uh, recently saw some announcements on the gaming side as well. So uh, it's moving a lot faster than I ever thought it will. And we want it to move quicker too, Ashish. That's the catch. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, thanks for your time, Anand. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot, Ashish. It was a pleasure. Great discussion, Anand. Your insights on private networks are fascinating. I agree, there is education needed in the application development community to understand the role of 5G Edge Cloud. We definitely need more mech hackathons. Your example of a private 5G network on a tractor was very intriguing. Once again, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on the evolution we are seeing in private networks. Feel free to reach out to me at ashish.chain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy.